You're listening to Healthcare Now Radio. Stand by for this just in the latest in healthcare innovation and technology trends with your HIT advisor, Justin Barnes. Thank you for tuning in, and welcome to This Just In. I'm your host, Justin Barnes. In these half-hour segments, I'll bring you the latest advancements in healthcare, strategy, innovation, and public policy. As always, we're broadcasting from the This Just In studios on the Business Radio X network, as well as the Healthcare Now radio network. And before we dive into my first guest, which I'm very excited about, I'm almost equally as thrilled to let everyone know that the This Just In radio show will be going on the road this spring and broadcasting live from the HIM 16 annual conference in Las Vegas starting March 1st. We already have a great slate of CEO, CIO, care providers, thought leaders, and even a few celebrity guests confirmed for the show. Uh, the HIMS media team will start rolling this out in the coming weeks, but it should be a great time. We're even having a special stage built to resemble the ESPN College Game Day look and feel, so hopefully everyone is registering for him 16 in Las Vegas, and we'll see you there. We look forward to it. Uh, but for this episode, my 34th episode, we're going to speak to an industry colleague and expert, Rama Juturu. Uh, I've read Rama's content and strategy overviews for many years, uh, and I remember Rama's content and perspectives coming up in numerous leadership meetings while I was at Greenway and certainly even post-Greenway. Um, he does a terrific job of highlighting programs, opportunities, and certainly the shifts uh, in healthcare that we're all seeing, and he, he talks about them even before we begin to see them. So uh, his wisdom and, and thoughtful reflection on the industry is always uh, respected and, and, and you know desired by certainly me and my colleagues. Um, and uh, it's kind of cool because we always thought Rama was spot on. So welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, Justin. This is uh, Rama Juturu. Thanks for giving me an opportunity to be as a guest on this show. Sure. No, my pleasure, my friend. And like I mentioned, uh, you know, we've been reading your work for a long time. You're always spot on with your interpretations. You do have a good uh, uh, visibility of, of what's occurring in the market and what's going to occur. So uh, how did you get your start in health IT? Where did that all start? Thank you, Justin. Again, uh, I started my career in IT uh, more than three decades ago. I saw a compelling need for leveraging my IT background in the healthcare sector. And, uh, you know, given my personal experience and, uh, you know, visiting uh, hospitals and, and physicians, mm-hmm. you know, including me and my family, you know, as patients for several years, you know, I determined that uh, there is a problem with the system. And I felt and uh, everybody felt in my family that uh, the U.S. healthcare system is massively broken and it is very complicated and it needs to be fixed because we are dealing with the life and we need to have a streamlined system. So as a result of that, you know, I've been focusing on 100% of my time in healthcare and uh, health IT for more than a decade ago. Uh, since then, I had developed my skills uh, that would help the businesses and the communities in delivering value, uh, focusing on simplicity, uh, convenience, accessibility, and affordability. Uh, I'm a strong believer in uh, lifelong learning mm-hmm. uh, by leveraging Internet and serving the community in keeping people healthy uh, through innovative approaches. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's fantastic. So 
tell us a little about your company. Are you a consulting firm or a consulting person? What, tell me about your, strat, your uh, setup a little bit. Sure. Thank you again. Uh, I founded a company called uh, Silco Software Technology in 1995, and primarily at that time, I was focusing on generic you know, uh, IT consulting services. And in the last uh, 15 years, I've been primarily focusing on health IT consulting, uh, focusing on strategy, uh, business development, and, and product management. And uh, last year, we launched a website called ramaonhealthcare.com. Uh, that was in 2014, uh, focusing on healthcare insights. And we have currently more than 10,000 subscribers uh, representing the healthcare industry. And we send news feeds periodically. And I've been sharing healthcare content with hundreds of healthcare executives and community and my friends for more than a decade. And uh, the feedback has been excellent. And we primarily offer context as a service, what we call is cost. C-A-A-S, for various business functions uh, by leveraging our healthcare background and internet for researching. Very cool. So how are you guys unique? Because there's a lot of content providers. I could answer that question just because I know I think you're unique because of your expertise and your perspective and how accurate I feel you are. But uh, tell me how you feel that you're unique and how you market yourselves as being unique. That is a very good question. There are a lot of players in this space and also... We are going through a transformation where content is digitally available and connection is digital. So we had created two frameworks called I3 and C3 as relevant for the Internet age. Uh, that is a strong differentiator you know, from other leading consulting companies. And you name a company like McKenzie or BCG or Bain or Tier 2 companies, you know, we, we have a strong differentiator. Uh, because we have two frameworks in place that we have created in the last uh, decade or so. So I3 stands for Internet, Innovation, and Impact, and uh, C3 stands for Content, uh, Connect, and Context. So the healthcare industry is ever-changing rapidly, and we believe that our two frameworks, I3 and C3, uh, and our unique service, Context as a Service, delivers value to our clients as we do the work creatively at a fraction of Cost. I want to underline we can do the cost at a fraction of the cost and work collaboratively and seamlessly with our clients by reducing project cycle time, ensuring mutual success. Very cool. And just for the record and, and for full transparency, we have no business relationship. I just actually respect your content so much that I want to have you on your show. I think my listeners would benefit from reviewing your content, subscribing to uh, to your content. Uh, but I don't make a nickel off of this. I just, I, I you know, because I, I never have anybody come on and kind of market what they do because the show's not about that. But what you provide for content and you create for content is terrific. It's extremely educational. And I'm also a lifelong learner personally. So I love to read. I love to educate myself, get much more knowledgeable on every aspect of healthcare and business strategy and, and certainly corporate strategy. Uh, and you're one of the main sources that I turn to. So I want you know everybody to understand that I don't make a nickel from this or anything like that. I just think that you are that good at what you do. So I wanted you as my guest. Thank you, Justin. You got it. So let's um, let's dive into some of that strategy and the content that I, I love to absorb uh, from your um, from your area. So, looking at the ambulatory sector first, uh, and there's so much evolving in healthcare. What advice would you offer to physician practices listening now uh, as best steps for 2016 
uh, and, and kind of boil it down to two to three specific highlights or suggestions. I've got a pretty large audience, probably a couple thousand practices on the on the line right now, and I have several, you know, a couple hundred hospitals at any given time listening to my show. It's a pretty broad audience uh, and a pretty big audience. It's, it's growing, so I love to give them actionable intelligence. So again, what advice would you offer first to physician practices uh, for 2016? Because some specific highlights that they can go off and do or should be looking at. Uh, thank you for the excellent question. And, uh, you know, the, the physician population is very large and it is growing and it is segmented, you know, by specialty, by size of the practice, mm-hmm. by location of the practice. And while I'm going to cover broadly, but, uh, you know, when it comes to the physician practice, you know, it yep. needs to be customized and specialized for a given, you know, needs. But broadly speaking, you know, uh, yes, for sure, the healthcare industry is evolving so much at rapid rate, impacting providers that we never experienced in the past. And there is a fundamental shift in care delivery and payment models requiring building health IT and data management infrastructure and empowering patients in 2016 and thereafter. So I'm very specific here focusing on three things. One is the infrastructure, uh, second one is the payment model, and the third one is the community as I believe they are very relevant for the physicians in the coming year, that is 2016. So the first advice I offer to physicians is related to infrastructure. Mm-hmm. You know, having certified uh, cloud-based EMR, its interoperability and mobility capabilities, uh, ensuring aligning with uh, clinical workflows, and uh, the physicians should remember cloud-first, mobile-first, and workflow-first leading to simplicity, efficiency, transparency, and information sharing across the care continuum. And uh, I I am moving on to the second advice, which is related to the payment model. Mm -hmm. As we all know that uh, there is a shift in payment models from volume-based to value-based. You know, that requires building proficiency in clinical documentation improvement and ICD-10 coding that is essential for quality measurement and risk management so the physician can maximize reimbursement by ensuring outcomes. Once the value-based model matures, the healthcare industry and the clinical judgment will be data and analytics driven. It is similar to what we do in other corporations and other industries on the lines of MBAs and you know, business leaders taking decisions uh, based on data. So that is what is going to happen in the physician practices in the coming year and thereafter. And, and the next advice, which is related to the community, which is a core component of delivery, uh, physicians should understand that, uh, you know, purchasers, you know, that is employers and patients as consumers are a part of the healthcare equation, thereby empowering, engaging patients, and enhancing patient experience is essential. Uh, partnering with retail care and urgent care clinics and offering virtual care and front-end Efficient, seamless service uh, becomes the norm, offering simplicity, uh, convenience, accessibility, and affordability to the community. Uh, the bottom line is uh, physicians should keep the community healthy uh, by focusing on providing proactive care instead of reactive care as in the current system. Fascinating. Actually, I'm, it's so interesting that I'm, on the, I'm such on the same page as you just from a standpoint of— uh, Thank you. Of the infrastructure, I mean, how critical that infrastructure is, 
um, certain the certified EHR, but so far past that, like you mentioned, you brought up interoperability, cloud-based mobility, uh, and then certainly uh, moving over to the payment models because you've got to look outside of your fee-for-service model that you're at today. I realize it might be you know 85, 90, 95, or more percent of your revenue base, but you've got to look beyond it. You've got to start understanding what's past fee-for-service. Fee-for-service will be sunsetted at the end of 2018 for the most part, at least in, in its holistic nature that it is today. So, um, uh, and then certainly looking out uh, over your community uh, and understanding how you can differentiate. I mean, these are just good business practices for anybody in general, but doctors tend to need a little bit, you know, we can offer them a little bit more support. They're, they're usually focused a little bit more clinically than they are financially. And so it's good to give advice on, on how to have just good sound business practices and looking out to the marketability of your practice. How can you increase access? How can you collaborate with your community? What new business relationships uh, can you foster to enlarge your opportunity? And certainly how you provide for others and you provide for your community. And you also provide as an employer for your, uh, for your um, employees. So, you know, lots of opportunity there. So uh, I'm completely spot on uh, with you. So great work. Um, so now looking at, um, you know, uh, the acute and the hospital sector, uh, what offer and, and what would, advice would you offer to uh, hospitals and health systems listening for 2016? And also looking out a little bit farther, uh, even 2017, because hospitals tend to plan, you know, in, in two, three-year increments. So what two or three uh, highlights um, would you look at them, if different, you know? Yeah, thank you, Justin. Uh, you know, if you really look at the landscape, you know, uh, you know, I mean, uh, both hospitals and health systems and, you know, uh, physicians, you know, uh, have been uh, disintegrated and, you know, they have to come together to, you know, uh, deliver quality. And, uh, you know, one of the hottest things that is happening, uh, you know, as we all know, the hospitals and health systems are consolidating and uh, and it will continue in 2016 and uh, 2017 so we are going to see more and more consolidations you know creating large hospitals or large health systems and minimizing fragmentation so th- th- that mm-hmm. is basically the the hottest topic uh, but i'm going to be very specific here focusing on you know uh, what is going to happen or what is the best advice for hospitals and health systems in 2016 and 2017 yeah so I have three areas, uh, again, you know, here, you know, similar to physician groups, you know, hospitals and health systems have to focus on uh, infrastructure, uh, physician alignment, and uh, community. And the first advice I offer to hospitals and health systems is related to infrastructure. You know, given the mandate for EMR and interoperability adoption and value-based models, there should be enough budget for investing in health IT infrastructure and leadership team so as to prepare for the future, focusing on outpatient and outcomes-based uh, care with less dependency on inpatient care. If you really look at other industries and other companies within each industry, you know they have a set budget and there is a focus on IT development and implementation, and hospitals are going to see the same trend in 2016 and 2017, you know, to have a you know minimum budget to make an investment in infrastructure. And more importantly, what is going to happen is both uh, clinical workflows and uh, revenue workflows, uh, they have been disintegrated, they have been paper intensive. Now we are going to see in the coming two years, the revenue cycle, uh, clinical documentation, ICD-10 for DRG coding, <coughs> and analytics will be tightly integrated. Mm-hmm. So as to maximize reimbursement as it is essential for survival. 
And the second advice I would offer is, you know, related to the physician al alignment, you know, hospitals and health systems and, uh, and the physicians have to come together. And there is no one size fits all, and it is a challenge. You know, given the shift in delivery model, it is essential that the physician community is integral to hospitals and health systems. Both administrators and physicians have to work collaboratively by minimizing fragmentation and ensuring patient outcomes. Uh, there is no one-size-fits-all, as I was saying, when it comes to aligning with physicians. It varies from place to place and depends on the physician's specialty. So th that is my take on the you know, uh, physician alignment. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the next advice I would offer is related to the community, which is essential for you know, success of hospitals and uh, health systems. Uh, partnering with retail care and urgent care clinics and offering virtual care and, more importantly, the, the front-end efficient, seamless service becomes the norm. So aligning with the community through social networks and enhancing patient experience will be essential. So those are my three advisors to the hospitals and the health systems. Justin. Yeah, no, again, you're, uh, I think that you're, uh, you're spot on from an infrastructure investment. And hospitals got that jump. You know, obviously the, uh, the stimulus funds, the high-tech funds, the ARA funds uh, all helped. Uh, physicians certainly adopted a quicker pace. But they had the jump, you know, certainly like the large practices did on the infrastructure investments uh, and doing much more kind of, uh, of the maturity model and, and working through the analytics and population health. Uh, and I, so I certainly see that, and I see that only continuing to, quote, unquote, mature. Uh, but then also on the physician alignment side, I agree. And that's, a, that's the trickier part, and again, because it's so specific, uh, an individual to a health system and or a hospital uh, that um, that's kind of I, I know that's a challenging component. Um, there's certainly some expertise out there, but I think that's probably one of the the biggest areas that hospitals are having a, a heck of a time with. Because I'm watching hosp uh, practices be purchased. I'm also watching uh, health systems um, kind of quote unquote you know turn them back out into the community, uh, and and that's something they're turning them back out into the community off the payrolls of the hospital. Uh, for numerous reasons, but also some of these providers want to leave. They thought it, you know, it was an easier task to sell out or, or join the hospital, uh, but then the bureaucracy, the red tape components of working for a health system in a, in a large administration is not what their forte is and what they want to deal with or, or handle or how they're even equipped to handle. Again, they're clinicians. They want to practice medicine, not uh, handle bureaucracy. And so, uh, and, and while a lot of us can do that because we're used to the corporate environment, uh, it's sometimes not in the mindset of the physician and the care provider. So they find themselves leaving <laughs> the organization and then going back into private practice. So, and I think that's kind of where your community thoughts, uh, certainly on the hospital side, uh, but then also even on the practice side is, then what do you do? How do you create the opportunity within the community? And how does the hospital, because I mean, even to your point, I'm watching uh, care providers leave a health institution. I guess a couple examples actually right here in Atlanta where they've left the hospital and the health system but stayed in contract with them. They're no longer employed. They're becoming self-employed, but they're maintaining a very strong contract. They're sharing services. They're sharing technology, which is really cool because they're leveraging the investment the hospital already made, but yet going off on their own and making their own money and operating individually, say, as a three- or five-doctor practice. Uh, they can take on new patients, but they also have shared services with a hospital. I mean, it really is brilliant. So I think that is a great community-type strategy if you can pull it off. My care provider, my primary care doctor actually pulled it off, uh, and uh, I'm very proud of him. I, I helped him through a little bit of it, but it was kind of neat to, uh, to see him do that. So it's really neat to watch how healthcare is kind of evolving. Again, you've got um, 
you've got uh, hospitals buying practice. We read about that all the time. We talk about it all the time. But now what we, we aren't talking a whole lot about is what I just kind of went through is that they're actually leaving or being pushed out of health systems, and that's creating other scenarios and, quote-unquote, opportunities. So what do you think of that? Do you agree with that? or? Yes. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. Yo, you got it. Terrific. So let's also um, you know, kind of move in. So if you are, uh, I guess it's any physician, but say you're uh, an ambulatory doctor because there's, there's the most of those on the ambulatory side, um, how do you best prepare? What are, you know, and you went through if you have a practice, kind of some of the infrastructure, but you know, when I say how can a physician individually best prepare uh, for the future, what would you say? What advice would you give? Thank you. Uh, you know, what has been happening in the U.S. healthcare market in the last five years, there is so much excitement and momentum and investment, uh, you know, on each and every part of, uh, you know, uh, care delivery and payment. But in my opinion, what is left out is basically, you know, the, 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 the curriculum for the, you know, uh, physicians, you know, preparing them for the future, right. you know. Yep. And while there has been an attempt, uh, you know, by the AMA, but but uh, but but this is left out, and and uh, and uh, and the physician training and and uh, education is lagging behind. So my my take here is, you know, changing medical education and training is essential, uh, so as to prepare the physicians for the future, as health is going to be digital and biology as well is going to be digital. So as we all know that there is a lot of investment being made in digital health this year alone. Uh, hence, it is essential that the physicians should be trained in data science, uh, social science, and uh, behavioral science, so as to serve the community, uh, ensuring outcomes. You know, uh, physician assistants and nurse practitioners will be crucial to building a more efficient and effective healthcare system. And as I said, while the AMA initiated, mm-hmm. and they should be commanded for its support of revamping medical education. Right. You know, it's lobbying on the behalf of the existing base of physicians has not been so forward-looking. So the current cu- curriculum is badly in need of an overhaul as the healthcare industry is moving towards team-based, data-driven, and consumer-driven care with accountability for patient satisfaction. <laughs> I love it, and I, again, I couldn't agree more. Um, so in that vein, you brought up uh, consumer towards the end. How do we empower consumers? What do you think? Thank you. You know, uh, this is a very difficult subject to understand, digest, and, uh, you know, act on it. Uh, you know, saying is different from doing in the, in the consumerism yeah. space, you know. You know, while empowering and engaging patients and, uh, you know, positioning patients as consumers is essential for outcomes, it is seen as the most difficult task, you know, given the varied population characteristics. One good thing that is happening now is, you know, retail and healthcare are at crossroads and healthcare and technology are intersecting, uh, thereby retailer mentality is being adopted in the healthcare industry. And, you know, the population segment, which is based on risk stratification and sharing risk score, similar to credit score, yeah. and developing innovative mobile and wearable devices that offer simplicity, convenience, and affordability that I believe will change the consumer behavior. Yeah, I, I, again, I certainly agree. And I think that um, on the consumerism side, I am looking so forward uh, to the day where we ask for transparency in prices, we ask for, um, or transparency in pricing in general, and we ask for prices of services, and we don't get uh, 
you know, looked at like we have three heads. I've been doing that for years and I like my care provider, but I still, I always get, you know, their eyebrows go up when I ask what something costs. And I say, like, well, hey, you know what? I pay for the first $2,500 of this. So yes, I'm going to ask what it costs. And America is fast shifting that way. Uh, and as a great ex- example, uh, Jacob Ryder um, posted uh, on his Facebook page, Jacob's a good friend of mine from the, if you ever, everybody remembers, remembers him, chief medical officer for the ONC. But uh, he just posted uh, that he went in there for an oil change, and he, he couldn't believe how cheap it was. I think it was like $19 to get oil change, new filter, and everything. And he's like, how could two people work in my car for, for 15 minutes and have all those services and materials and parts for $19? And then they, said, they checked his air filter and, uh, and, and another two other filters in his car, and those were black uh, and dirty, and he had to have them replaced. And they're, they're $40 a piece. And then he went to his iPhone and he Googled uh, and he looked up how much, went to Amazon actually, not Google, he went to Amazon Prime to get it right. Uh, and it, those parts were like $3 a piece and he could replace them. So he's like, he, and then he put in his, his post, so he didn't buy those $40 parts from the shop and that's where they're making up their money. Basically, the oil change was a loss later. It was, hey, we're going to upsell you now with this you know, margin of 500, 600, 700% these two air filters and that's really where they're making the money. And he said, no, I'll, I'll change them out myself, but thank you. Uh, and then uh, he went and did it himself for, uh, for $6. So it's a great point uh, in healthcare. And so his point was, when are we going to start doing that in healthcare? And he couldn't wait for the day. And I, and I can't, uh, and I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm excited Thank for you. those days. Price transparency is the key for promoting consumerism. I'm glad that you brought it up and, uh, you know, given us some insights into that. Thank yeah. you once again. You got it. So I got about uh, one minute or so, or 30 seconds. What do you expect we'll see at, uh, at HIMSS this year and a couple, you know, coming up? Uh, are you talking about HIMSS uh, 16 annual conference? You got it, yeah. Okay, that is a good question. You know, Health IT, you know, uh, they host the big uh, Health IT conference, and uh, I'm expecting there will be a big coverage and participation on interoperability, uh, population health management, and uh, digital health, and they continue to progress, and uh, I think there is going to be a lot of uh, debate and discussions and uh, participation by vendors at at HIMSS 16 in Las Vegas. I think you're spot on and kind of cool because actually my radio show that we're going to do from there I highlight every one of those items already on the agenda. So uh, we're, we're, again, thinking alike. So in closing, Rama, uh, what is your favorite place to get or be inspired? I always ask this of my guests. Yeah, it is very interesting to watch what I do and what I enjoy. And uh, I can tell you, you know, my favorite place is Internet. And <laughs> I, I enjoy reading yeah. and sharing healthcare news articles. And it keeps me very busy and inspiring. Uh, that to the healthcare industry is now ripe for disruptive transformation, uh, benefiting the community. So I'm going to enjoy uh, in, in the coming years and decades and help the community. That is what I love. Excellent, Rama. Great answer. And uh, you're a terrific guest. Uh, we're going to have you back for sure. So thank you very much. Because I truly, truly appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join the show. Thank you, Justin, for having me uh, as a guest, and I look forward to further discussions with you. So do I. And thank you, everyone, for listening and joining us today. Please tune in weekdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. As always, you can track me on Twitter at HIT Advisor and use the hashtag ThisJustIn so we can respond to your comments from the show. In addition, all my content will be posted on my website at JustinBarnes.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a terrific week.